Last week, Santa Barbara City Council voted to form a committee to study the feasibility of rent stabilization to address rising rents and the displacement of renters. KCSB's Robert Stark speaks with housing policy advocate Frank Rodriguez with CAUSE, Central Coast Alliance United for a Sustainable Economy, about renters being displaced due to rent hikes in Santa Barbara and the need for rent control. Frank Rodriguez, great speaking with you. Yeah, thanks for having me. What was your takeaway from uh, Tuesday's city council meeting on rent control? Well, we're excited that the conversation is continuing with with action in terms of really thinking up what an ordinance would look like that would include rent stabilization, that would include a rent registry, um, and to really start putting into action um, by by foregoing a a study that was going to take um, a lot of money, two hundred thousand um, dollars. We feel the information is is out there, and we know that the solution is to stop displacement especially of our working class communities um, um, here in Santa Barbara, especially in the east side and west side, where we as cause focus on. Um, so what, what we're excited that that we're really tackling um, and putting what, what is part of a solution in the housing crisis, but an important solution and really stopping displacement of communities that can't handle um, another drastic rent increase um, that might push them out to leave the city. Can you kind of explain uh, your personal interest in fighting for rent control and why do you think rent control uh, is an important issue? Yeah, so um, for sure. So my name is Frank Rodriguez um, with CAUSE, um, the Central Coast Alliance United for Sustainable Economy that really came out of um, um, the living wage campaigns building for kind of a stronger working class here in the region. Um, um, I've been around for over 20 years, um, and around six years ago, seven years ago, a lot of our grassroots leaders, which really are a lot of Spanish-speaking um, immigrant communities here um, in the east side and west side of Santa Barbara, um, and what they started mentioning was that it wasn't um, um, a lot of the issues we're, we're tackling, like immigrant rights that were really at problems at their doorstep, it was evictions. And it was these unjust evictions with no cause that were taking place in the West Side where we saw a lot of apartments starting to be flipped um, um, and rent, rents really increased in the Lower East Side and, and throughout the West Side here in Santa Barbara. And so our organization five years ago really took on that cause to follow the lead of our leaders and really start tackling um, tenant rights. So hence, glad that the city council in Santa Barbara approved um, a just cause ordinance with the three month relocation assistance. Um, uh, one of the strongest here um, in the region and, and we're excited because that is really tackling it and, and putting these safety nets in response to gentrification that's happening in our community. Um, so at the end of the day, the, the thing that pushes us to do this is to keep communities um, where they work, to keep communities um, from being displaced from the communities they grew up in. Do you have a statistics on how much of a problem uh, has it been uh, of renters being displaced due to rent hikes and evictions in Santa Barbara? For sure. I think the, the redistricting process for our city council districts in Santa Barbara really showed that that we've seen a, a large drop off in in especially um, Latino communities um, and immigrant communities in the west side of Santa Barbara and in the east side. 
Um, and we know a lot of this is due to the, the lack of response because of the fear that Trump was putting, especially on our undocumented community from responding to the census. Um, but this has been a broader trend where we have not, have not seen really um, rent, I mean, um, the increase of the Latino population and immigrant communities here in Santa Barbara, as are the normal trends of Southern California and, and neighboring cities like Santa Maria and Oxnard that are part of that trend where they see an increase in the Latino population, but we're seeing stagnation or even drop off here in Santa Barbara. And we think that's super concerning as an area that is really focused on the service industry. And we know a lot of the immigrant community really focuses is on that. So we know the anecdotal stories of folks having to drive from Lompoc or Ventura. Um, but like I said, five years ago, we we're hearing these stories of folks just getting these mass evictions and rents have increased over 40% um, since 2012. Um, looking at the, um, the, the research that um, the city of Santa Barbara did in their rent survey. Um, and for them also, it was for a two bedroom, um, someone needed to make a medium rent of $2,688, which you would have to make $107,000 um, in order um, to it to be not a burden on you, meaning you pay um, less than 30% of your annual income for rent. Um, so I think there's the housing crisis and, and the difficulty of living here in Santa Barbara is, is something that's been talked about for a while. And so we think rent stabilization is part of a long-term solution, which includes um, getting more affordable housing in our region. However, that plan um, is gonna take decades. And what we need to make sure is that we have these safety nets now to protect the community that lives here. Uh, I recently uh, interviewed uh, Peter Rupert, UCSB economist, uh, who, who did get attention for his study on rent control. Uh, he said that rent control does not work. Do you have a response or rebuttal to his arguments that rent stabilization decentivizes improving of property, that it benefits those who are well off enough to not need it, and then also that it constrains the supply? And then besides that, is the supply issue also important? For sure. And yeah, I think there's there's two parts to that. I think first, just more recently, I think um, Councilmember Oscar Gutierrez really raised um, the, the focus of Peter's kind of um, research on Minneapolis, um, where, yes, development was... Um, I'm going to be have rent control in their properties, but here in California, because of laws like Costa Hawkins, the Ellis Act, um, we're not allowed to um, put rent control on any building built after 1995. Um, and so um, this idea that it's going to limit production is is really um, missed in Peter's report and presentation um, and was properly called out at, at the city council, like I said. Um, and the other, pe other piece in terms of really like the idea through, a, through an economic lens, um, yes, we, we understand supply is a huge part of this equation. Um, we've been um, at many meetings um, advocating for really monies to be um, allocated to um, our local housing authority to really produce actual capital A affordable housing for our working class community to be able um, to make sure that the workers live where um, they work. Um, and other parts of that economic lens that, that Peter is talking about and something that a lot of um, research has really shown is that um, ec economists were against the minimum wage at first. Um, um, but after further research, they saw how that really supports the middle class. But I think at many times, um, 
um, there's these these um, attacks on on these ideas that we really promote as safety nets. Um, uh, minimum wage, rent stabilization, these are safety nets in order to protect folks um, from that one rent check that could really displace a family um, from here from Santa Barbara. And so what we're um, saying is rent control is part of a larger solution. Rent stabilization is part of the solution where we're putting a safety net so there isn't folks being displaced, while at the same time, um, we'll be advocating for our housing authority to, to really get those funds to build more housing production that's going to keep the workers here in Santa Barbara. So um, I think that the, the broader sense is um, from, 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 from Peter's pushes, um, we get that a lot of things can be put in equations, but at the end of the day, we do need these safety nets in order to stop the displacement that has been displacing folks here in Santa Barbara. Uh, Frank, is there anything else you'd like to add about rent control in Santa Barbara? Well, yeah, I think um, um, we're really excited that the city of Oxnard um, passed a rent stabilization ordinance at 4%. Um, um, the the biggest city um, between Los Angeles and and San Jose, um, and and one of the big cities of our 805 region. Um, so um, I think it really gives a good model um, um, for them to to put it into practice. Um, um, none of the monies are being used from the general fund. Um, this idea that that's going to be a really costly program. There's a per unit fee that most cities put into um, um, into practice, um, and Oxnard had that being at fifty dollars a month, um, and that's to really make sure the enforcement is happening on the law that they just placed. And we this just shows that that this there's cost effective manners of really implementing rent stabilization, and we think um, 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 that. There, there's definitely um, um, this idea that that is going to cost too much money is is not realistic, and we have the mechanisms through experience from decades and decades of uh, neighboring cities having rent stabilization, being able to make sure we mold and have the right one for here in Santa Barbara. Thank you, uh, Frank Rodriguez uh, with KCSB News. Uh, this is Robert Stark. On the other side of the debate is UC Santa Barbara economics professor Peter Rupert. KCSB's Robert Stark sat down with Rupert to discuss where Santa Barbara is on rent control and why he does not think rent control is a good idea. The vote last Tuesday was basically on trying to, to determine the scope of the uh, consultants' work that they were going to hire. Um, they had already allocated the $200,000 to pay for a study on rent control, and this meeting was really to vote on the scope. Like, we want the consultants to decide what the yearly rental uh, increase could be, for example, and is it plus inflation or not? And, you know, a, a bunch of other things uh, going down the line. Um, and, you know, I, I tried to you know, tell them, you know, I, I, I've looked at this, you know, th this issue over the last 80 years, you know, from Sweden to Vietnam to uh, San Francisco, Cambridge, Massachusetts, you know, you name it, St. Paul, Minnesota. Um, you know, basically, we know what's going to happen with rent control. Uh, we're going to see a decline in the number of units available. That's happened in every place. We already have a housing shortage, as we know here, um, and that would just exacerbate the, the problem there. Um, we know that housing values fall where there are rent control uh, units, which leads to a decline in um, uh, people's wealth. And pretty strange. These researchers from, from USC just did a study on the recent St. Paul, Minnesota 
rent control issue, which was enacted November 21st, uh, November of 2021. Uh, and they found that the transfer of wealth, the redistribution of wealth actually went from poor to rich. That is poorer areas where there was rent control were hurt a lot more than the richer areas. Moreover, it benefited the high income renters uh, and did not benefit the low income renters. So it's, it, it, it's all backwards to what we, we think should happen with, with something like rent control. But you know, the data is pretty uh, incontrovertible, I think. So uh, what are the legal uh, ramifications? And uh, if you wanna give like specific examples of how rent control stabilization does not work is a primary, primary concern decentivizing improving of property and how specifically does it constrain the supply and right. uh, so it's a fairly limited, you're, you're saying it's a fairly limited number of uh, people who benefit. So how does it constrain the supply? And yeah. does it disincentivize new construction or is that more of a zoning issue? No, you're, you, you know, um, those issues are, are real. Uh, we have seen that, you know, the study done, um, the, the evidence from Sweden back in the 40s showed that the, the number of available apartments and by the way, they had to, when you have an apartment available back then in Sweden, you had to register it. Um, it went from something like 1100 before they instituted rent control. It fell by half once it was instituted and then it went to zero. There were zero apartments for rent for many, many years in, 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 in some cities in Sweden where they implemented rent control. Once they took it off, which they did, um, it went back to uh, uh, lots of available apartments. Meanwhile, there were a lot of people, more and more people were out, were, were without homes. Um, so what happens is that if you already have a place that you're renting and now it's rent controlled and you can't get the increase in rent that you had hoped, many people just take it off the market. They can do lots of things with it. They can turn it into a condo. So maybe you have to like restrict, you know, how it gets tra transferred. If you do a major remodel, you can have the, you can get the tenants to leave while you do a major remodel. Maybe you live in it yourself. Maybe you let your, your, your family or a friend live in it. Um, um, you know, also then, you know, you could turn it into Airbnb. There's, there's so many things that, that owners of, of apartments can do um, to restrict the supply. In any event, there was a 15% decline in housing supply rent, uh, rental units in San Francisco in the 90s when, when it was imposed. So if you're getting less than you or less than the market rent, there's lower incentive for you to pay. And there's a very fascinating book starts off every chapter uh, with a picture of damaged buildings and the cap is rent control or bomb disaster. And you're, the answers are on page 320 or something. And it shows pictures of either the New York and the South Bronx or places in Europe were bombed during World War II. And the devastation from, from letting that happen is, is, is large. So, and it shouldn't be overlooked. Uh, you know, so there's, there's lots of, you know, reasons against it. I think that a lot of the, the, the legal issues, you know, I'm not fully aware of all the legal issues. I'm not a, a lawyer. Uh, I haven't studied those, but, you know, there's enough evidence that the, the distribution of wealth goes in the wrong direction. And, you know, I, I think that, once as a society, we decide that there are a lot of people who need rental assistance in order to live in a certain place. Um, how do we do that? How do we transfer money from, from those who can afford it, those who can't? And that's the, that's the big question. 
And to me, there, there are answers. I, I think something like, I call them rent stamps because it's similar to food stamps where you know we're gonna reallocate money and give it to people um, similar to section eight housing that we already have and you know give it to the people directly so they can now pay the market rent and then we get none of those disincentive effects. Um, so I think there are solutions and I think that's what council decided their vote on Tuesday was to form an ad hoc committee and let's look at some of these alternatives that may not be as, as uh, damning as, as rent control. Is there anything else you'd like to add about, uh, about solutions to this problem of rising the cost of rent and just anything else about this issue in general? Yeah, sure. I, I, I would, I, you know, again, you know, if we have rent control, it does disincentivize um, your willingness to put up an apartment, uh, to have your, uh, to let out your apartment. It also disincentivizes new building, obviously, because people are like, they want their return on investment. And in order to get that return, you know, you have to look at what you think the progression of rents are going to be. Um, so we need to think about increasing the supply of housing. You know, there's no doubt about it. That's a huge issue in Santa Barbara, obviously. We're constrained by the ocean and the, and the mountains. Uh, we're constrained by height limits and all kinds of things with zoning. And, you know, I, that's fine. You know, I'm, I'm with you on that. But I, I think then if we're gonna increase the supply of housing, you know, we need to think of better ways. I mean, for example, some manufactured homes, unfortunately, Santa Barbara is never gonna be what I call affordable. You know, uh, It's an expensive place because the demand to live here is so high. So maybe people have to commute a little bit farther, unfortunately. Um, they do that in every city in the world, you know, where it's crowded, New York, New York London, Paris, you know, people live, you know, 45 minutes an hour away. In Europe, they have trains. Here, we really don't, so it's a bit more difficult. But unfortunately, people might have to commute to, you know, to Lompoc or, uh, you know, Guadalupe, other places where it's, you know, it, it's kind of a hassle. But unfortunately, that's, you know, that's one of the solutions. Thank you, uh, Peter Rupert uh, with KCSB News. Uh, this is Robert Stark.